Um, and with that, uh, let's pray, and then um, we're going to be in John chapter 3. So if you'd like to find uh, the third chapter of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you have, if you have red letters uh, in your Bible, then um, it's the fourth book with red letters. So let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, um, we recognize above all that you are good, that you are an awesome, wonderful good, good Father who loves us more than we could ever know. And so, Lord, in recognizing that, we, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you would come and have your way here this morning. That, um, Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me. Um, you know in so many ways that... Uh, uh, my words are inadequate, but I know that you can empower them. You can even speak when I'm not speaking or change the words before they get to someone's ears. So, Lord, whatever you need to do this morning to speak to hearts, to speak to minds, to um, change lives, Lord, I ask that you would do that. However you can use me, I'm available. Lord, I pray that you will... Um, just uh, guide this entire rest of the service. And Lord, I just, uh, Lord, I thank you, praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Sorry, I get a little emotional around Christmas time. Um, love the uh, Christmas carols and family and thinking about our Lord. Let me um, read this passage and then what I want to do is go through a little bit. Uh, John sets up one of the most amazing contrasts, I think, that you're going to find in Scripture in two different ways. So, um, well, I'm going to point out both of those contrasts. It's, it's, uh, as, it's as different as night and day, if you will. Wait, you'll see. Um, John chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, by the way, when, when, he, when you see truly, truly, I say to you, it means it's important, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That, that, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things um, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
No one has ascended into heaven, but he who has, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be mag- mag- excuse me, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. You know, last week uh, we talked about the love of God, right? We talked about the love of a father for a son. Uh, last week we celebrated with the candle of love. It was the love of, of the father for the promised child, right? So we're going to continue that love um, today, except that it's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be for the promised child. You'll see. Nicodemus um, said so there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus, uh, we don't know very much about him, except that he was a, what he, they call him a Pharisee. A Pharisee. The Pharisees were a sect of the Jews. Um, more than likely, this, this man had, um, had been through all the rabbinical training. He was um, at one of the top echelons. So when, when you're talking a Pharisee, um, you're talking about someone who had memorized the first five books of the Bible word for word, probably by the time he was 13, maybe 15, okay? And we're talking word for word for word, all right? Um, And that was just the kind of the the foot in the door to go to the next level. So Nicodemus was not only a Pharisee, but it says a ruler of the Jews, which means he was probably, it doesn't say this specifically, so I'm saying probably, but um, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, which... People argue about a little bit what that, what that was, um, but to, what it looks like is um, a, a ruling class of 71 um, members, uh, and they were all, you know, your top um, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees uh, with underneath the authority of the chief priest, okay? And what they said that they think is that it went back to Moses where Moses was the head and he had the 70 elders underneath him. Um, now, it, it, it can be a council of, for a city or a town, but whatever it is, this guy was way up. In fact, Jesus himself said, you are the teacher of Israel. So this guy, Nicodemus, was extremely well-learned. He was thought very highly of. He was in a really high class as far as a ruling ship. So this is, this is somebody who's really special, 
if you will, in the world's eyes, in the, in the eyes of, of the Jews at that time, coming to Jesus. And it says he came at night. Which is weird. Why would he come at night? People argue about this. Um, some people say, well, maybe he came at night um, because he was afraid of what everybody else thought. I'm like, well, uh, maybe, could be. Um, some people say, well, the, um, uh, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers, they often did a lot of their study in their, with, in, and with their disciples at night. And so they, he brought all the disciples with him. I'm not so sure. But what people really come, the, I'm talking theologians, they, John has this amazing contrast of night and light, of darkness and light. And all throughout his, his book, it's, it's like, you know, Jesus keeps saying, while the light is with you, do this. And um, it's this contrast of, of darkness and light. And, and one of the, my favorite, because uh, I, I, I had to read one time for a class the entire book of John in one sitting. And I kept seeing Jesus saying, while you have the light with you, do this. While the light is still with you, do this. And then when Judas betrays Jesus, you know, we, you just mentioned that. When Judas betrays Jesus and he, and he goes out and there's a, a short verse that says, and it was night. And that's in John. You know, so there's this contrast of, of darkness and light. And so the idea is, here you've got one of the rulers of the Jews, one of the most learned teachers in, in all of Jerusalem, coming to Jesus, and he is in darkness. He's in darkness. And he comes to Jesus, and, and uh, he really actually, he... he um, respectfully, respectfully greets Jesus. Rabbi, we all know, and the people argue why, what the we is there. It's probably more of a, a royal, he's kind of coming, um, he doesn't say that he came with anybody. So it's probably maybe a few people that they had talked together and he was coming as a representative, reading into it a little bit there. Um, we know that you've got to be sent from God because nobody else can do these signs and wonders unless God is with them. And Jesus answers and says, uh, you, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now, this stumps Nicodemus. Here you've got one who has probably most of the Old Testament memorized word for word. And Jesus asks one question. He says, what are you talking about? Now, you all go, well, what do you mean he didn't know? Well, we all know what it is to be born again, right? Everybody's going, yes, hopefully. All right. But Nicodemus is going, how can someone enter into their mother's womb again? By, by the way, does your, how many people have Bibles have... Um, a little like uh, not foot, uh, like a footnote thing at again. Anybody? If not, I won't explain it. Does yours, Penny? From above. Um, the word there can actually mean from above, also. Again, um, and so I 
honestly, I think commentaries have wasted a lot of ink on it. Um, because uh, it, it's possible, but they, they talk about, well, does John meaning from above and Nicodemus, and is it a dual meaning and stuff? But what they don't, what they don't take into account is this was either spoken in Hebrew or, or Aramaic. It wasn't spoken in Greek. And so that's actually just a translation of what John or Jesus, you know, what actually was said anyway. So Nicodemus provides the, the right context. He says, how can a man be born when he's old? So um, I, I, I think commentaries, commentators uh, waste a lot of ink on something there. Uh, so disregard it. And for those of you all who like don't care, then just we'll go to the next point. I like that sort of thing, so I try to throw some of that stuff in every once in a while. Um, for those of you who um, are kind of like me and like to get into the little minutiae stuff. Um, but it, it can mean from above, really, but it's, it's this idea of being born again. And Nicodemus can't quite get this through his head. And Jesus ex- ex- is expecting him to. Remember, he, he comes down here because he, he, he repeats it. Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, it's kind of this, he's repeating it with a little bit different wording. Uh, one is born of water and Spirit, he can't enter, enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And don't be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Right? So he, Nicodemus should be able to figure this out. Here's what I believe that Jesus is talking about and where Nicodemus should have gone. And there's, um, there's a, people have different ideas because it's honestly, it's really difficult because in the Old Testament, you can't find something that says born again. And I'm sure that's why Nicodemus was scratching his head. Um, some people go to a, a passage in Ezekiel that talks about having um, water uh, sprinkled on you and a new heart. And I think that's very legitimate. But um, as, as Jesus comes down here um, further in the passage, um, he talks about that uh, oh, which verse is it? Um, he who believes in him is not judged. This is verse 18. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the holy begot- of the only begotten Son of God. And where I believe this is going is um, what Jesus is saying is that everyone sits under condemnation. And he's taking Nicodemus back to the point in the garden where Adam and Eve sinned. And from that point, everyone was under condemnation. And what Jesus is saying is, look, because notice it says, um, unless you're born of the water and the spirit. You see, we, we all go, oh, you know, let's get baptized. And then you get spirit filled, right? And then, all right, then you're born of the water and the spirit. Nicodemus should have gotten it. And he had no idea about believers' baptism and the filling of the spirit. Okay? That's why I don't believe it's talking about that. But you go back to Genesis 1 uh, in verse 1 and 2 where it says um, the, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. So what needs to happen 
is we have to, there has to be a break where you where there, where you are born again and you get rid of the stuff that's in Adam. You see, everyone is under condemnation. Everyone is going to hell because of Adam and Eve. It doesn't matter where you're born, where what circumstance you're in. And unless you believe in the name of the Son of God, you're under Adam. And what, what Jesus is trying to bring Nicodemus back to is you've got to have a reboot. You've got to have a total restart where it's a born again from the very start so that you're in the Adam and Eve before the sin happened. That makes sense? Now, where this contrast is so amazing here is you have, like I said, I was trying to build it up as much as I could. Nicodemus, who is one of the rulers of the Jews. You've got the, one of the guys who is of the chosen people of God, who has all the learning of, this, of the Old Testament. He, is, he has elevated himself in society. He has, he, Jesus himself says, you are the teacher of Israel, and, and it says the in the Greek there. It's not like a teacher of Israel. It's, it's you are, so Jesus is elevating him even. You are the teacher of Israel, and you don't understand this. You've got one, somebody who, if there's anybody in Jerusalem that should be saved, it's Nicodemus. You see that? He's got all of this. He's got all the religious training. He is probably one that, like Paul says, I've never done anything against the law. I'm perfect as a, according to the law. The Pharisees were like that. They were very fastidious in, in obeying every single aspect of the law. This guy was as religious and as, as, as zealot for, for the religiousness of God as anybody out there. And he was on the, the council to, to make sure everybody else did the exact same thing. If there was anybody that should have been able to get into heaven, it's Nicodemus. And Jesus says, you're going to bust hell wide open unless you believe in the Son of God. It's not your training that gets you in. It's not your religiousness that gets you in. It's not your place in society that gets, your in, gets you in. It's not you, your, your bloodline that gets you in. It's not because you were born in America that gets you in. It's not because you go to church that gets you in. It's not because of anything that you, you can do. It's, it comes down to, do you believe in the Son of God? contrast that Jesus makes here is, is deafening. You've got Nicodemus coming to Jesus who is really not as trained and yet Jesus is telling him you've missed it. I love how it ends up though. In verse 21 it says but he who practices the truth which is a very um, it's a very Hebrew phrase, okay? Uh, in, in, the, in the Gospels especially, because um, you, you can tell they're translating from the Hebrew, 
into the Greek, so a lot of the Hebraisms come through. So it's, um, he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So notice, remember, Nicodemus came in the dark, and Jesus here is saying, but he who comes to practice the truth comes to the light, which is exactly what, Jesus, what Nicodemus did. He came at night, but he came to the light. And we can tell actually later on in John, Nicodemus um, actually, from what we can tell, he comes to know the Lord and is, um, you know, with Jesus. And he, he plays a part at the crucifixion and, and afterward um, that he is, uh, he actually, you know, this made a difference. But the question is, you know, what, what this comes down to is John 3.16. Right in the middle of this, we've got this huge contrast of, of this religious um, man in Nicodemus who is, who is not there yet um, to Jesus saying, please come. And it being at night and saying, come to the light. And he gives, Jesus gives the solution of how that should happen in, right in the middle of the passage. Let's, um, let's start in verse, uh, do, 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 do. verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serp serpent in the wilderness... Jesus is giving a, um, an illustration from the Old Testament. Um, the, the Jews were wandering around, excuse me, the wilderness after they came out of Egypt, right? And God gets mad at them because they keep blundering it, okay? They, they don't have faith. They grumble. They complain. They grumble at Moses. They grumble, you know, they, they, they anyway. Um, and God sends serpents, all right? So they're under condemnation, from God. They, God sends serpents and, they, and the, anybody who gets bit by the serpent dies. And so Moses says, hey God, what do we do? And, and God says, okay, put a serpent, a, a bronze serpent on a pole. Anybody who gets bit and looks at it gets saved. You, they won't die. No, God could have taken away the serpent, right? As, much, as, much, as easily as he brought him in, he could have said, yeah, well, okay, let's get rid of him. And any way he wants to. Had them all die, had them all, a wind come through and, and press, press them all out, whatever. But he didn't. Instead, he made, had a, one made and put it on a pole so that somebody would have to look at it. Because it, it took something on their part, right? To look at that serpent on the pole so that they would get healed. And it says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world. But that the world might be saved through him. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. We talked last week about 
the, the father loving the promised son. And now we see that God so loved the world. In the, in the New Testament, the world is oftentimes um, equated with something really bad, okay? Don't, you know, be, be in the world but not of the world, right? Um, you know, you, you should not be like the world. And we even use that, the world is this way, so don't, don't be, be like the world. Be like Jesus instead, right? We, we even say it today. And that's the whole contrast. And, Je- and yet Jesus is saying, God so loved the world. Let me, um, let, me, let, me a- let me ask you something. What is the most important thing or most valued thing in your life? Is it your job? Maybe it's your home? Maybe a vehicle. Maybe it's a freedom. Maybe freedom is something that's really valuable. Maybe it is your spouse, your family, your loved one. What's the most valuable thing in your life that, that you, would, you would say, that's the thing that, is, that matters in my heart the very most? Don't you dare touch that. Most oftentimes when I pull into Willow Manning, I go over the bridge. There's a, um, at least one guy on the corner of the bridge with a sign up. Anything helps. Especially during the um, warmer months, you can glance down the river here and you'll see um, makeshift tents. A lot of times a lot of litter. People living along the river in whatever fashion they can when it's warm. What if someone came to you and said, Give up that most valued thing in your life to offer some of these men and women on the river a chance to get up in their life. Knowing that a lot of them would thumb their nose at you and say no thanks. Would you give that thing up? Would you give up your wife, your husband, your children to give an opportunity for one of these folks that is out there standing up with a sign saying, please give me money. For them to have an opportunity to get ahead in life. You see, God loved the world so much when everybody was so messed up and condemned in their sin and what I'm meaning is all of the ones who are into 
drugs and you know uh, you you name it the ones who are in the red light district in Amsterdam okay those people that you really don't want to be around the ones who um, probably spend more time in jail than out and it said God loved the world all of those people including us because we were part of the world at one time he loved them so much that he gave up the very most valuable thing that he had the thing that he held most dear to him he gave up for people to have an opportunity a chance to say yes knowing that so many would thumb their nose at him would shake their fist and would say to heck with you God I don't want it but he gave it anyway he gave his son to be like one of us and to die and Jesus gives the formula here for us you've got the contrast of night coming to the light you've got Nicodemus who is supposedly you know the religious elite and Jesus said no that's not going to get you there and the, the formula is to believe in Jesus that's it nothing else that's the bottom line look to the son believe that he is who he said he is and that's it and that is the only way to enter in to see the kingdom of God but it's all because of the love of a father for those who don't deserve it God the Father loved the world enough to give. Do we? Do we love the world enough to give? Now, I'm not going to ask you to give your spouse, although some of you might volunteer, <laughs> or your kids. But are you willing to give? I think about the Moravians. And I think I've used this um, in here before, but there is a, um, there, there's a story. That if you, if, I don't know if you know the story of the Moravians. They, um, they found themselves uh, on um, this land owned by um, uh, uh, Count uh, Zinzendorf. Okay, and then he kind of ended up taking care of them, and they end up having this revival. I mean, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They had a bunch of factions that they kind of just, everything smoothed over, and God visited them. They end up having a, a, a prayer meeting that went 24 hours a day for over a hundred years. Every day, 24 hours a day for over a hundred years. 
and they end up being um, the one of the first and greatest missionary sending groups um, that the world has ever known. In fact, um, uh, uh, what they, a lot of them would go out, and people would specifically work kind of the home front so people could go. So, okay, I'll, I'll work here so you can go. You come back and work so I can go. You know, and they, they, they went out um, all the time. There was a couple of them, uh, uh, Johann Dober and David Nietzschmann, and I'm not any good in like German-Dutch names, so I'm hoping I'm not butchering that too much. But um, there, there's a story about these, these two guys, and the story may have evolved a little bit over the years, so I'll, I'll try to give you um, the... Uh, uh, I'm going to give you a couple different versions. Um, these these men knew of a cup of some islands in the Caribbean that were slave islands, and they decided that they wanted to uh, minister to these slaves, to to give the gospel to these slaves, and they they were trying, and they the folks said no, there's no way that you can, you cannot go to these slaves and uh, share the gospel with them, it's just not 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 proper. You can't you can't get to them. They said, well, what, what if we sell ourselves into slavery in order to get there? Now, some stories say that they actually did, that they, they sold themselves into slavery to actually become one of the slaves, work beside them, and, um, and share the gospel with them. Other, part, other stories say that, no, they actually didn't, they, but they said that they would if they needed to, but that they uh, they went and they um, did as much as they 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 worked their trades and were able to get to the slaves. But whether they actually did or not, that was their heart. I will give up my freedom in order to share the gospel. I will give up the thing, one of the things that I value the most, to share the gospel with the world. If God loved the world enough to send his very best, what are we willing to give? Are we willing to walk across the street? Are we willing to go up to somebody that it would be really difficult to speak to? Some of those folks, and I, I've been around them, I, I worked in... I worked in some with some rough crowds in construction and roofing. And let me tell you, there's times that I look the part so much that I don't think anybody would come speak to me. <laughs> Ruth probably going, yes, he did. <laughs> All right. But are we willing to give to share the gospel? Are we willing to just make an effort? If God loved the world so much to give his very best, we, in turn, need to give in order to share the gospel with others. Let's think about what we can do to share And again, 
Jesus gives all of that right there, what needs to happen. It's just letting people know that you put your faith in the Son of God. It's not your religion. It's not your birthright. It's not your knowledge. It's not that you um, can quote from Genesis to Revelation. It's not any of that. It's do you believe in Jesus? If you don't believe and submit to him, nothing else matters. But if you do, you will see eternity with him. Let's share that with everybody we need to, okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you. God, I can't imagine the love that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you will give us a taste of your love so that we can have just a drop of that love for those who need you. Whether they are a top executive or someone who is dirty and filthy and hasn't seen a shower for a month. Lord, they, they stand in the same place in your eyes. It doesn't really, you know, if, they, if they're without you, they're without you. and We need to reach out to them. Lord, give us that love. Give us that love for the world. Just a, a drop that you have would be so much more than what we've got. Give us the boldness to share. If, if nothing else, to be able to share your love with others. Lord, once again, we thank you so much for sending Jesus, for emptying heaven, that we might populate heaven. Thank you so much for taking care of us and for calling us to be yours even when um, we didn't deserve it. Lord, as always, I, I bless everybody here and their families. Lord, I, I pray a hedge of protection to be about each one of us. Lord, I erect a hedge of fire to be about um, this this church, this this all these people here, Lord, and their family group, Lord, and not, not just the building, but everyone represented, that nothing would come near us to harm us, that no, no sickness or disease, no accident or injury, no uh, harm or danger could come through the fire of God surrounding us. Lord, as the armies of fire surrounded uh, Elijah and Elisha, the armies of God, let those armies of fire surround us for protection from anything that could, could harm us, hurt us, make us sick, or cause injury. Lord, we thank you for it. 
Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory for you alone are worthy. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.